The lot of the miner at best is quite hard. We work for good money, get paid with a card. We scarcely can live and not a cent more since we're paid off in checks on the company store. Those great coal monopolies are growing apace. They're making their millions by grinding our face. Until they're high prices that people pay toll While they pay 50 cents for mining their coal They keep cutting our wages time after time Where we once had a dollar, we now have a dime While our souls are near famished and our bodies are sore We are paid off in checks on the company store Though hard we may labor, but little we have. We are robbed of our rights, though we fought for the slave. Monopoly keeps grasping for more and still more. They will soon own the earth through the company store. The old pirates and brigands who fought hand to hand, who would scuttle a ship or pillage the land, have formed a collusion and all come ashore, and now ply their trade through the company store. But when these old worthies are called to their doom, I think honest business will enjoy a great boom. And when they are finally cold from our shore, I hope they'll take with them. Hello, and welcome to the second half of this month's Mountain Talk. This month marks the centennial of the March on Blair Mountain. During the West Virginia Mine Wars, thousands of coal miners fought for better working conditions. They didn't want to live in company-owned houses and be subject to eviction if they were fired. They didn't want to be paid in scrip anymore. They wanted real money. They wanted an end to the mine guards, who brutalized miners when they stepped out of line. Miners had to sign yellow dog contracts, which meant they couldn't organize with the United Mine Workers of America. To organize for better conditions meant they could lose everything. But in August 1921, they decided it was worth their while. After years of conflict, the shooting of a beloved local sheriff by company-hired detectives ignited the Battle of Blair Mountain, a 50-mile march to confront coal company militias and the largest armed labor uprising in U.S. history. Mother Jones, an infamous national labor organizer, even came round the mountain to speak to the miners and rally them. One hundred years later, Mountain Talk went to the very site of that conflict, Blair Mountain, specifically the town of Marmette, where UMWA members marched on foot to commemorate their forebears. They set out early, as fog was still wrapped around the Kanawha Valley, and the morning birds had just begun to sing. Today, you'll hear from current and retired coal miners, descendants of the original marchers and others who were present that day, on what this history means to them, the state of today's mine workers, and how the stories of struggle have been passed to the next generation. Here's Cecil Roberts, president of the United Mine Workers, who kicked us off. Well, the United Mine Workers after this march, there are a lot of people that say, well, you lost this battle. Without the battles, you can't win the war, right? Absolutely. But I have to say, 
mile. And this is historic, the largest armed insurrection in the history of the United States, other than the Civil War. This is a, a march that uh, saw planes fly overhead and bombs drop on these miners. But they didn't stop. They knew they were going to be facing machine guns on Blair Mountain when they got there and all out uh, war started. And if it hadn't been for the United States Army coming in here with a thousand troops, getting in between the strikers and Sheriff Chapin, who knows what might have happened. That's how it ended on Blair Mountain. But the Union didn't die. And 14 years later, the CIO was born, steel workers, rubber workers, textile workers, communication workers, all owe something to the people who marched here today. In this, in this march. God bless all of you. We're gonna start moving out here. As we started up the hill, Roberts led us in a chant. Ain't got no soul! 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 Miners who work at Warrior Mint Coal in Alabama have been on strike for six months. The brotherhood and sisterhood of coal miners extends to many places. Marchers came from as far away as Colorado, like this one. He came because of the link between historic miner struggles in Colorado and Appalachia. In, in our particular area, uh, um, we're basically home to the, what is referred to as a Ludlow Massacre. And that happened when uh, 10,000 coal miners went on strike in southern Colorado and were evicted from their houses and ended up, uh, you know, establishing 10 colonies. And then the state militia ended up uh, burning that 10, the Ludlow 10 colony down. And it trapped uh, four women and 11 children in a cellar. And um, two women were able to, to get out, but two women and 11 children died as a result of that, another 12-year-old boy was was killed. You know, Mother Jones was here in 12 and 13, and and, um, and she was out at Ludlow during the 13-14 strikes. So. We made a lot of gains, but over the last uh, you know 20, 30 years, we've given up a lot of those gains back that that those miners sacrificed their lives and those families did. Collectively, it seems like for whatever reason. Uh, the, the companies have kept them separated. Well, there's been a big change from what the miners did in, in them days, in, in you know, the, the days of Blair Mountain, the days of Ludlow and stuff. One of the problems with with uh, Blair Mountain as it is with Ludlow, a lot of that isn't taught in schools, and uh, even you know locally and stuff like that, they need to. Uh, uh, be part of the curriculum because it was part of the, you know, U.S. history, but everybody should know that this happened. Some were direct descendants of a long line of coal miners, like many people in central Appalachia. Um, stories that I remember it being so cold underground in the winter and stuff, and my dad coming home and his pant legs and stuff would be wet. They would freeze, they were frozen. You know, he would come in and, and you know, go in to take a shower 
and take his clothes off and stuff. And um, when mom would bring him to the washer, you know, to wash him, it would still have ice on him because he was working underground in that and got wet and cold. It froze, you know, on him. And as a little girl, you think, oh my gosh, my daddy was cold, you know, but guess what? He was being cold to keep me warm. My name is Sean. Uh, married name is Justice. Uh, maiden name is Craddock. I'm from Hewitt, born and raised in Boone County, Hewitt, West Virginia. Um, I'm a coal miner's daughter, granddaughter, great-granddaughter, and daughter-in-law. Wow, and so how did you learn about Blair Mountain? Family functions, family dinners. Um, it was talked about all the time about you know my great-grandpa he fought in this I, from what I can remember as a little girl because I was smaller when they talked about it it's just just how brutal everything was and, and to me you know as a little girl it's like oh that was mean you know it's the things they did and and stuff but it was just um I don't know just a, a time and stuff I can't you know imagine um Westmoreland is where my grandfather retired from uh, my dad retired from uh, Lightfoot One. It was Peabody Cole was who ended up taking it over. But I really do feel that when they got away from the union, all the rules and stuff were getting to be bent and we found gray areas and loopholes to get through to produce more coal to make more money. But now here, you know, we don't have insurance. You, you have to have insurance. My dad had black lung. He, they never did, he passed before he got everything through with it all. And, um, you know, they denied him on his black lung benefits. And he just got to the end. He said, I just really don't want to fight it. I was like, Dad, you deserve it. I mean, 30 years underground to keep the lights on, to keep food on the tables. Not only for me and my sister and my mom, you know, which now helps my kids, but for everybody. That, that's the way of life. It was how we grew up you know was was coal and coal mining and uh, his dad Harley Justice he was a coal miner as well he said I, I want you to go to school and get an education I think they saw the writing on the wall it wasn't going to be here forever um, and, the, and like I said the jobs when my son he graduated in 2018 there's really no coal mining jobs here you know for him like the guys and, and myself you know girls we, it was our opportunity too I know there was ladies worked in the mines. Um, that it just wasn't available for them. It wasn't like, hey, come work for us. Coal's booming. You know, I talked to my aunt yesterday, and she was telling about, you know, uh, Papa Charlie, who was the one who fought in all this. And, and her words to me was, from what your mama told me, he was a pretty mean man <laughs> from what they, you know, gathered, um, that he was in the middle of all this fight and the battle. and. She said she could remember Mama saying that her mom had told him that the planes would circle their house. They were looking for him. So I don't know what all he did really. I don't, you know, but they said he was, he was pretty on. That's, that's what I get. They said he carried a gun in the front of his pants. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> he's probably somebody I wouldn't want to mess with. But he was like 25, and I'm thinking that's my daughter's age. Because he did, he passed, away. he passed away in 1925. So yes, he would have been 28 years old, which is three years older than my daughter. I just, you know, I, I do, I, and for myself, I am going to go back after doing this and read more on this battle and um, talk to my cousin, Clint, who sat with my grandmother and got the story from her. Because like I said, it's just, 
it's been so long, you forget things, you know, and, and I do. I need to brush up on that so I can pass it on to Emmett. And, you know, I'm taking pictures and stuff, you know, today with all of this. So um, I can document it and fix a little time capsule for him and learn more about it so I can pass it on to him so it's not forgotten. Sun used to work underground and reflected on what life is like for miners today. As we crested the first hill in the middle of the day, we talked about the present and how history lives in it. Sure. Yeah. My name is uh, Christopher Mark, and I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um, my association with the mining industry goes back to the mid-1970s when, as a very young man, I got a job in a coal mine in Boone County, West Virginia, uh, um, and I was a, a member of the United Mine Workers of America. And after that, I went to college and became a mine safety researcher. Um, you know, my commitment, I guess, to coal miners and mine safety goes back to my time working in the mines. And so I've been in the mine safety field now for uh, 35 years. Um, my interest in Blair Mountain actually... Uh, I lived in Danville, West Virginia, which was uh, right at the heart of the uh, Blair Mountain March. I lived there for a whole year. I lived, breathed, ate UMWA, United Mine Workers, and never heard about Blair Mountain. And it was only afterwards, um, reading um, labor history, uh, learning just how important those, those events were. Um, of course, Blair Mountain was the you know, the greatest labor uprising in American history. And so I'm here today to try to um, uh, help people remember the sacrifices that, that working the uh, United Mine Workers were attempting to organize all of, all of West Virginia. Of course, any time that there is a substantial non-union segment of the industry, um, it's going to drag down the wages and working conditions of everybody in the industry and so um, plus it you know it you have you feel an obligation to those other people that are working in your industry who don't have the same rights and dignity that you do as a as a labor union member and so the the miners in southern West Virginia in Logan and and Mingo County in particular had been trying to organize. They'd been on strike. They'd been chased out of their company houses. They were living in, in tents um, for months and months through the winter. Um, their martial law had been declared, so union members were being um, thrown in jail without a trial, without charge, left there indefinitely. And all of the, you know, the union tried every conceivable legal, political method to try to um, get the rights of American citizens for those those people in in southern West Virginia, and so as a when all of that failed and the martial law continued and, and intensified, as a last resort, the miners in uh, Kanawha County and Boone County left their homes, left their jobs, left their families, picked up weapons, and were determined to free the free the miners in in uh, Logan and Mingo County. Um, themselves, since the government had, had, had totally let them down. And um, there would have been a much bigger battle if the U.S. Army hadn't intervened 
and separated, uh, separated the miners. But uh, you know, it, it showed just how committed coal miners were in those days to their rights um, as people, as Americans, and what they were willing to do to get it. And um, 15 years later, after uh, FDR had been elected, it was that same uh, commitment that organized the UMW throughout the coal fields almost overnight. And it was the UMW's resources that helped uh, organize the entire CIO. 45 years ago, when I worked in southern West Virginia, um, every single mine was a union mine, UMWA mine. Um, and in the, um, in the early 80s, there was really a crash in coal prices. And a lot of mines closed down. A lot of miners were thrown out of work. The mines that were left had to become much more productive. And it became kind of a vicious cycle where the more productive they got, the more miners lost their jobs. And so under these circumstances, um, miners were much more fe fearful for their jobs. Um, and at the same time, the, the mine operators could take advantage of the legal framework where as a mine finished mining one reserve of coal, they could open up another one and try to open that mine non-union. You'd have shell companies that would be one on top of the other. So you would have a, the, the, the company that owned the mine, it would set up a shell company that it, that it or owned the coal, that it leased the coal to, because that's the mining company. That shell company would set up and turn another shell company that would be the labor contractor. So the miners who worked for that labor contractor knew that if they voted for the UMWA at the end of their annual contract, they would be out and another shell company would come in with out-of-work miners. Over 25 years or so, the coal fields were able to change, or the coal operators were able to uh, almost eliminate the, the UMWA from the uh, central Appalachian coal fields in southern West Virginia, Virginia, and eastern Kentucky. Fortunately, safety in the mines has really improved quite dramatically. And um, 50 years ago, 100 miners a year were being killed in roof falls. And over the last five years, there's just been one um, miner killed in a, uh, um, a roof fall. And so even if you account for the smaller number of miners, that's still an enormous um, improvement in, in, in safety. And the unions played a big part of that, but a big part of it has been um, the fact that there's a very strict regulatory environment for, for coal miners. So I don't think that that's the issue that it one, once was. Um, pensions certainly were a big issue, but I, th I think, I could be mistaken, I think that that's largely been addressed um, through political action that the union has led um, over the last, last few years. Um, I think that you know miners really they they face the same problems that that working people face in this country in general. That as as unions have have declined, um, wages have declined, hours have gone up, your protection um, of, of your job that people can just be uh, you know fired at will. Um, people work uh, crazy shifts. You know, you, you can't say no if you're asked to, asked to work overtime or come in, um, you know, on a, on a day that you would plan to have off. It's, you know, all those things that, that kind of, you know, where, where 
um, a union gave you rights as a person, as a citizen, on the job, um, those have all been taken away from, from working people. My name is Mike Caputo. I'm a state senator in West Virginia. And I'm a proud 43-year member of the United Mine Workers. And I uh, retired serving on the executive board. Uh, the United Mine Workers of America, uh, under Cecil Roberts' leadership, has been able to negotiate tremendous contracts for our members. Uh, they make good money, and they can send their kids to school, just like the rich folks can send their kids to school. And uh, they can live in nice homes and have nice things. And uh, again, most importantly is going home with all your fingers and toes and, and working in a safe environment, not like it used to be, because I've always said the most important resource to come out of a coal mine is the coal miner. It's not the coal. You know, the West Virginia legislature has taken an extreme turn to the right, and uh, it's, uh, it's not very worker-friendly anymore, let's just put it that way. Top of their agenda was pound on workers. They pounded on teachers. They pounded on uh, educators. They passed coal mine bills rolling back health and safety 40 years. Uh, fought and fought and fought, but they had the votes to do it. They reduced or repealed prevailing wage for workers in the state of West Virginia. So it's not a very, it's not a friendly, worker-friendly legislature at all. It is pretty much owned by big business and uh, corporate interests of West Virginia and out-of-state interests, people that are pouring money into those campaigns so we don't even know who they are so you know it's it's a different uh it's a different climate but you know we got to keep fighting and we got to keep showing west virginians that you know look what these folks have done to you and what's the future of workers in west virginia some suggest it lives on not just in minors but in teachers and other public school workers who ignited a massive teacher strike in 2018, which made waves in the region. I'm April Eastet. I'm a teacher here locally, um, and I've lived here my entire life. I'm a member of AFT West Virginia, and I have been since 2001, I think. Um, and I'm an officer in our local chapter. My dad was a union coal miner um, his entire life. He passed away about five years ago. Um, and so as a member of UMWA, we were here every Labor Day. Um, you know, he was on strike, it seemed like, all the time in the 1980s. So there's, a, you know, that labor history, he kind of ingrained that into, into my brain and my brother's brain growing up. You know, you have to have a union and here's why you have to have a union. And this is what the coal companies did. And this is why you have to have, you know, you have to have workers uniting together. Well, we had the teacher strikes a few years ago, and my younger daughter, who is now 18, um, like she was on the Capitol yelling out chants, like on the Capitol steps. So she's already, like, she just kind of took up that mantle. Um, and in my classes, you know, whenever a topic comes up that's relevant to, to their lives or the lesson that we are, you know, talking about, then, then I bring up the labor history of Southern West Virginia and how Blair Mountain figured into, into how things are now um, and how like the, the union has decreased and as the union has decreased over the last several years, how workers' rights have also decreased and um, we just kind of talk about that. Uh, and when they want to make a change, I say, well, here's where we start. And so we go through that process of 
First you, you ask, and then if you can't ask, then you organize and you demands. People are saying that it is a necessary, um, it's a necessary, I can't think of the word, I'm, and I'm an English teacher, but you have to have unions if you want to have rights and if you want to make a living wage and you want to be treated fairly. On Labor Day, the miners made it to the top of the mountain and came back down to the town of Racine for a cookout. Gina Brown, also a descendant of a Blair Mountain marcher, reflected on the moment. About it. I believe it because uh, I was about 12 up there one time and grandfather showed me a picture of Mother Jones and he said, you know who that is? I said, yes, I know who it is. So he said, do you think that they dropped bombs on American citizens and that they actually fired from a, 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 a train, Gatling guns that striking miners in their tents? And just a little bit of me is like, you know, grandparents want to pull your leg. They, they kind of just kind of, they tell you stories and as a child, you, you're not quite aware of the truth that they're trying to say. say I was wrong to say, Grandfather, I'm not sure that really happened. Oh, he balled up his fist. His body trembled. He had an emotional response with tears welling up in his eyes. And I remember thinking, whatever happened is his truth. And it must have happened. Mother Jones lives. She lives in our hearts. That's all for this month's Mountain Talk, where you heard from UMWA President Cecil Roberts, coal miners, retired coal miners, and coal miners' daughters, a state senator, and a teacher who carries the legacy of Blair Mountain into her work. Music was sourced from the Blair Pathways Project. The Blair Centennial was organized by a coalition that included the United Mine Workers of America, Communications Workers of America, the West Virginia Mine Wars Museum, the West Virginia IWW, and too many others to name. From all of us here at WMMT, Real People Radio, thanks for listening. Hail Mother Jones to Mahaska, the garden of Eden and soil that has been the jam of all Iowa in production of coal and of toil. The smiling, the faces that greet you, our heroine with labor and right. God bless your dear soul is our feeling for visiting Oscar tonight. The themes of your speeches are grander and richer than silver and gold the life of the mansions eternal where wisdom and love will unfold steer forward march on with thy mission through strife and injunction be brave follow the steps of the leader the starving and toilers to save
Oh, oh, oh.